him out, Jan. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, take your Bibles. Go to Mark chapter 15. We had a funeral yesterday, and I want to thank everybody that uh, had a part in that and uh, for being here and, and all the food that was brought in. That was a blessing to the family and to the friends that came out. Uh, you guys always do a great, uh, far above what, what uh, anybody could ask. And uh, I tell you what, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm, I'm pleased just to be part of the, the body here. I, I, this is fun. Uh, it's always been fun for me. Uh, it's a little, sometimes a little hectic, but it, it is fun. Uh, Mark chapter 15, verse 1. Actually, uh, just going to read a couple verses here. Uh, hopefully, I won't be very long, but uh, it says, And straightway in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribe and the whole council, and bound Jesus, carried him away, delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate uh, asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet uh, answered nothing. So Pilate marveled, which, which anybody in the presence of Christ would do that. Now at the feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. Uh, and there was, one, uh, named, there was one named Barabbas, which, was, which laid bound with them, and had made insurrection with him, and who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answering them, saying, What will ye, uh, what, uh, will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he uh, knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. And Pilate said unto them, uh, But the chief priest moved the people, that, the, that he should release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said, unto, uh, said again unto them, What will ye then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this message. Lord, that you'd use it to touch the hearts of the people in this room. Uh, Lord, change us. Keep us changed. Lord, keep our mind and heart where it needs to be uh, in this uh, uh, present and wicked world. Lord, that we can still be a light uh, to someone who needs it that's in a dark place, and Lord, we can help them to get back. Father, again, if there's anybody lost in this room today, I do pray, Lord, you touch their hearts, show them their need of a Savior, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The uh, funeral yesterday, there was a man in here that was lost, and there was about four or five people that uh, got on him, and I mean, it was a, it was a great witness for the church, uh, and it was a pleasant one. I mean, everything was done right. It was done decent and in order. Uh, to where the point at the end, the, the man, the gentleman, uh, thanked me for having a church, thanked, thanked us for doing what we've done, and making the gospel so simple. I, sometimes I think we make the gospel so complicated that people do not get it. They don't know what it is. They don't understand it. The need for this is, is out of this world. There is a place called heaven, and everybody wants to go to heaven. I, bar none, I could find nobody that would not want to go to heaven. If I start talking about the glories of heaven, the streets of gold, the mansions, the, the ability to be free, to do whatever you want, never sin again, never do anything wrong, nobody would ever disagree with that and say, hey, I, that's, I don't want that. They'd say, yeah, I want that. But then if you're going to say that, you've got to throw hell in on the other side of that thing. And it's a lake of fire that's going to be thrown into the lake of fire at the end of this thing. And you're going to burn forever and ever and ever. There's a story in Luke chapter 16, 19, where there was a rich man and Lazarus. Rich man has no name in hell. Lazarus died and was carried to Abraham's bosom. So not only did Abraham have a name, Lazarus had a name once he got there. 
You know, when you get to heaven, you'll have a name, but in hell, you'll have no name. You'll just be in hell. That's where you, that's just not a place to go. I wouldn't want to see my worst enemy, which I try not to even have enemies anymore. I, I mean, I got people who dislike me. I got people who don't want to be around me. That's okay, but I don't want to see anybody go to hell. That is not a place. It was said hell was made for the devil and his angels, not for us. Yet so many of us, we sit here sometimes and there's people in this world who think that, oh, I'm okay. You're never good enough. Don't ever think you're good enough. You're not. You're foolish. You're, you're a foolish person to think that I can find another way to heaven. There is no other way, by the way. There's only one. His name is Jesus Christ. I like that, man. Pilate, Pilate asked the question down in verse 12. Here's everybody coming together. The multitudes are coming together. The priests and all these other. He asked a question. And he says, what will ye then that I do unto him whom ye call the Christ or the king of the Jews? My question to you is, what will ye do? What will ye that, uh, what will ye then that I shall do to him? You have to do something with Jesus Christ. You cannot just push it off to the side. You have to do something with Jesus Christ. If you reject Jesus Christ and not, you say, well, I just want to do anything. That's hell bound. You're hell bound. Why would anybody want to go to hell? I think you need to see a psychiatrist if you say, I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with it. When I found out that a long time ago, I chose heaven. I mean, I started looking at some things in life and I'm like, this is not good and that is good and I'm bad and there's no way out of this thing. And when I seen the opportunity to get saved, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That, that's been 44 years ago. I haven't regretted that since. I've met all kinds of people now. Well, I think I can, I can do this. Or I think, or I'm just going to wait a little. Why would you wait a little while longer? I wouldn't wait 10 minutes if it was me, man. I mean, I would get saved. I'd get saved as soon as I heard the words. I remember when I got baptized, I was sitting in my uncle's church, Southern Baptist Church down in, Florida, in uh, Kentucky. And I had just been saved a couple weeks and Rolf was up. I mean, he was so elegant. I'll never be like that. I wish I could be. I need to take elegant lessons or something. I, I could never be that way. Uh, Rolf was so perfect, man. I mean, he, at the end of the sermon, he just did everything like right in. And I'm about 10 pews back on this side, 15. And I'm just, just holding back. I want, I want to go get baptized, man. So I'm waiting until he does his, his thing. And he'll go, if anybody wants to join the church, let them come. And if anybody wants to rededicate their life, and I'm like, get to it, man, get to it. And he, and he, he goes through this and goes through this and goes through this. And he goes, if, if anybody would like to get baptized, eyes out of the pew, man. He said, why didn't you just come down? Because he didn't ask for me yet. I thought you had to do what the preacher said. I just thought that's what you had to do. So I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And as soon as he asks, I come down there. He goes, Mike, what do you want? I said, I want to get wet. He goes, why do you want to get wet? Because Jesus did it. I didn't know why I needed to get baptized. I was Roman Catholic. I'd already been baptized when I was a baby. I knew that one didn't count. I had nothing to do with that. I said, this one I got something to do with. And I said, I can't do a lot of things he did. I already know that. But boy, there's some things I can do that he did, and he got baptized. So if he could get baptized, I can do it too. I understand now why you get baptized. I know it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection. I got all that stuff. I don't need to go back and get rebaptized. I got baptized. I got baptized because I want to follow Jesus in baptism. That's all I did, and that's what I went and did. You know what's wrong with a lot of us? We make it so complicated that we think we got to do all this stuff when really all you got to do is just follow Jesus. It's not that complicated. You know, if you just follow Jesus, I've been doing that for 44 years, you end up in places you never think you'd ever end up. I would have never thought in a million years I'd be here today. I would have never thought in a million years that I'd be preaching that funeral for Miss Betty yesterday. 
I would have never thought I'd have ever had a wife and any kids when I started this thing. I would have never. I mean, I, just, I started it on a back porch and I just got saved. And I was excited about getting baptized. And I was excited about telling somebody about Jesus Christ and I didn't even know what I was doing. I remember the day I ran my mom out of my house. I didn't mean to run her out of the house. But we were all Catholic and then she comes up to my house and I just get saved and I'm sitting there going, Mom, guess what happened? I just told her, what was, and boy, I mean, the door opened up and out she goes. And I'm like, what did I say? I just told her about Jesus, man. I mean, you're a Catholic. Don't you know about I think everybody should know about Jesus. You know, some people don't know what they should know. Some people aren't quite as excited about it as you may be sometimes. Some people have never got there yet when they need to get there. I want to talk about a couple of people real quick. And then at the end, I want to say something. Chief priests, this, this thing starts out in Matthew 15, 1. It says, and in the morning, they had taken Jesus. They went out into the garden at nighttime and got Jesus. They could have got him anytime, but they were cowards. They were afraid the people were going to get mad at him. So they go at nighttime and take him out of the garden. They bring him in and they, they all night long, man, they grueling. him. They do everything. They smack him. They do all kinds of stuff to him. And then they bring him to Pilate in the morning. And it says, and straightway in the morning, the chief priests, because they don't have the guts to do what they need to do or they feel like they need to do, held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus, carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. I'd like to say the chief priests. They provided the sacrifice. Everybody in this list, in this story here, has provided something that didn't solve their problem. And a lot of times we'll do stuff in life and think that we'll get to a place where if we keep doing something, it'll solve our problem. You can provide whatever you want to provide. It will never solve the problem. There's only one person that can solve that problem, and that's Jesus Christ. What you do will never do it. The scribes, Pharisees, the, the counselors, all these guys right here, the chief priests, they provided a sacrifice, which was Jesus Christ. They knew what they wanted done. And they knew that they probably didn't understand all the scriptures. They understood some of them. But that, what the crucifixion was, a, was a, uh, a point in history that had to occur per God, per our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It had to occur. There was no way that thing could get out of it. And a lot of people had, had they provided things to help get it to that point right there. And all the stuff they provided, that thing did absolutely nothing for them. Because they, they were trying to do it their way. You can't work your way to heaven. You can never get there. You can never be good enough. You can never, you are a wicked sinner. I'm a wicked sinner. We're just wicked sinners. Boy, thank be to God that he delivered us from this wretched, filthy body that I got. One of these days, he's going to take me out of here and I'm going to be just like him. I don't know if you've ever tried to sit there and figure out what he's like, but it blows me out of water. When I stop for a few minutes and he thinks, I start laughing. I was laughing today. I was sitting there going through my Bible. I was reading some stuff in the Old Testament, some stuff in the New Testament. And as I sit there and just started looking at Jesus Christ and his life, I'm like, Lord, we're such idiots. How could we ever even, even know you if it hadn't have been for you? Christ is evident in front of every one of these people, and they don't see him. The, the leaders, the Jewish leaders provided a sacrifice. Then you got Pilate. What did Pilate provide? He provided a cross. You know, he said, I know for envy that they delivered him, but he never, he was such a coward, he didn't do what he could have done with which isn't his power to do. He could have released Jesus Christ. He, he, out of a testimony against himself, he said, I know that they delivered him for envy. So many people in this world do stuff for envy. They get envious of somebody else because they're, they never want to do what they do to get what they've done. They don't want to do that. They just want what they did. 
I've heard so many people say, well, well, I should deserve. No, you don't deserve anything. Have you done anything to get that? You want to be a doctor? Let me ask you a question. Did you go to school? I remember when Andrew wanted to be a dentist. He, he starts off, he's got these grandiose plans out there, man. He starts out way out there somewhere. I want to be an oral surgeon, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I wanted to be an astronaut one time. <laughs> I didn't get to be that either. But uh, you're an oral surgeon. Then he goes, talks to some people. He goes, well, to be an oral surgeon, you got to first become a dentist. And he goes, okay, I want to be a dentist. He goes, but to be a dentist, you got to finish a four-year degree in biology. So it's like a four-year degree in biology and then maybe a four-year degree in dentistry. And then, then if you get accepted, you get to be this. We all have these great ideas in life, but really, you know, what are you doing to become that? Are you doing everything you need to do on a daily basis? If you look 20 years out the world, you'll never do anything. You know what you, know what you do, the greatest at is what you're doing today. And if you keep doing today what you're supposed to do today, tomorrow, guess what? You won't have to do what you did today again. Have you ever cleaned the house? I like people who keep their house clean. You know how they keep it clean? They just do it daily. And when you take something out, you put it back. And when you take something out, you put it back. That's why I got married. So I got a wife who puts everything back that I take out. <laughs> she takes care of me, man. I mean, and I built her the house and she takes care of everything else. I'm like, this is cool, man. This is cool. Uh, but if you don't, you know what? You build a house one board at a time. Uh, one, one, you take a, 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 a bobcat or whatever. You go out there and dig one ditch at a time. You do everything. And what you do is you don't, I like the verses over in Proverbs where it says, uh, there's a lion in the street. There's a lion in the street. You know what he's saying? You won't leave the house to do anything and you make up an excuse not to go out when you should just go out. Go out and plant the corn. I saw somebody the other day. I said, uh, can you plant corn? Yes. Have you planted corn? No. I said, you know, in a crisis, we'll all starve to death because we keep depending on Kroger's. That's what they got us. They got us in a place where we're dependent on. But if you got a farm or if you got a garden, you're way ahead of the game. Stay there. Barabbas, our, our pilot, he provided the cross. He was a coward. He, he could have let Jesus go, but he didn't. He admitted, I could have let Jesus go, but he didn't. Why? He feared the crowd. You know, sometimes the fear of man is a snare. You got to throw that out the window sometimes. You got to get rid of looking at people and saying, hey, these, I can't do this because, no, you need to know what is right and do what's right. right. None of these men did. Barabbas, you know what Barabbas provided? He provided a center position. And he didn't even do it because he tried. Barabbas was just a, 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 a guy was a, he was a murderer, an insurrectionist. He was sitting there trying to cause a problem. He got busted for it, got thrown in prison, and he was going to be center stage. But not with Jesus Christ around. Even in the crucifixion, Jesus Christ takes center stage. Pilate had to get out of the way. Pilate had to get Barabbas out of the way. Pilate tried to give them somebody. He even suggested, I'll give you Jesus Christ. Barabbas was a sinner. You know, if you're in here today, before you got saved, you were a sinner. And after you got saved, you're a sinner. <laughs> uh, I'm a sinner till the day I die. I, you know what? It says that Christ died for my sins according to the scriptures. Then he gives me a passage of scripture over in John, 1 John. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. For, that means I'm going to be a sinner for the rest of my life. Paul said, that I would do, that I do not, that I would not, that I do. Oh, wretched man. You know what Paul That's after way down in his life. You know what he said? I want to do these things, but I do these. These are the wrong things, and I still do the wrong things, but I want to do the right things. What is it? It's sin that dwelleth in me. You're never going to get over that thing. It's always going to be there. Barabbas was a sinner, and he provided the, the, the sinner place. You know, Pilate gave that cross, but it didn't do him a bit of good. 
It never helped him. It, uh, the the chair, chief priests and all the people gave a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, never helped them. If those people never trusted Jesus Christ, they ended up in hell just like everybody else will. Barabbas gave the sinner place. I mean, he was more than glad to let that go. And when he found that thing out, I've heard preachers preach on that. And I don't know really. Well, I think Barabbas, I, I got the, the, the feeling in my gut that somewhere down the road, Barabbas, the Lord finally got a hold of him, just like he did Paul. And I think we'll see Barabbas in heaven. I could be wrong. But he, somebody took his place. And I think the Lord would at least let him know I took your place and died in your place. And if you ever want to get to heaven, you're going to have to come through me. I think Barabbas would have known that before he died. That's what kind of gracious God we have. The multitude of the people, they provided the cries for the cross. Crucify him, crucify him. That's what the world does out here all the time. We try to bring Jesus. I don't need that. I don't need that. No, you do need that. You don't need everything else. You need Jesus Christ. That, that isn't even a, a request. That is a command. You need Jesus Christ. Without him, you're destined to a place called hell. I normally don't do messages like this. Uh, but I felt like today, man, I said, after a funeral we had yesterday, here's a lady who was 101 years old and still in church at 101. And I don't know when Miss Betty got saved, but I met her when she was 67. That was 34 years ago. And she was saved then. And I've known her for her whole life. And she tried to serve God the best way she could for her whole life. And when she died, she was in church. <laughs> I said, yeah, man, that's the way to go. I mean, if nothing else, man, I mean, I, we all have troubles and we all have heartaches. We, I, I mentioned that. We all have everything goes on. I mean, there's joys and happinesses and all. A life of 101 years, could you just imagine what she went through? And she stayed there. And she, she wasn't afraid to tell you about Jesus Christ. And she wasn't afraid to tell you that you should preach like this. She'd tell me all the time, Mike, if you would just preach like this, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. She actually asked us to start a church. I told somebody yesterday, I said, you know, I wonder if I was back in that driveway today. And she knew what she knew today, and she was still there. If she would still ask me to start a church. <laughs> I said, I don't know, man, I don't know. She probably still would. But the multitude, they provided the cries. Solidified, they solidified the request of Pilate. Pilate was sitting there just teetering back and forth, trying to figure a way to get out of this thing. Toward the end of that thing, he said he washed his hands. You can't wash your hands of Jesus Christ. There's no way to wash your hands. You can't say, I'll, I'll do it later. You can't say that. Because it's always in front of you. Just like Miss Betty, she lived 101, but we was at a funeral last week, and a, a young man died at 51. You could die at 13. You could die at 5. You could die to make. You could die on your way home today. Is hell worth that? Is hell worth... Only by pride. I, I love that. That's my favorite verse in the Bible, if I have any of them, uh, which I like them all, man. I mean, they're pretty good. They're all good. At any given time, they're all my favorite. But one I like used more than anything else is only by pride cometh contention. Pride will keep you out of heaven and throw you into a lake of fire. And that is about the most foolish decision I've ever seen anybody have. Only by pride. I looked at somebody one time and we were sitting there talking. And I'm like, hey, let me ask you a question. And they go, yeah. I said, I started witness to them, trying to get them saved. They didn't want to get saved. I said, hey, how about this? I said, is the problem between me and you? And they were honest. They go, no, the problem's not between me and you. I said, is the problem between you and God? And they go, yeah, the problem's between me and God. I said, well, we're on track. I said, and the Bible says only by pride cometh contention. They go, yeah. I said, does God have a pride problem? 
And they looked at me and hesitated for a minute. I said, hey, does God have a pride problem? And they go, no. I said, who has the pride problem? And they said, me. Not me, but them. <laughs> I got a pride problem too, but, but theirs is the one that needed to be dealt with. And the person got saved. I, I was working with a couple guys in jail one time. I think I was with Brother Tom. Uh, was that the one that when I, you, them two black guys were at the jail cell and you asked me to come over and talk to them? Okay. And I had a little red dot on my Bible. Yeah, I told, I told Elizabeth back here. Elizabeth, a little bitty girl. And she put one of these little red smiley faces dots on my Bible, man. And I, I was going to take it out going, I mean, what is a man going in jail with a red dot smiley face on his Bible? That, I mean, a big old black Bible. That, but I, I mean, the Lord took it right out of my mind. I forgot all about it. So I'm in there like this the whole time preaching. Brother, I think it was Brother Tom over in one cell, and I said another. And, and he said, hey, Mike, could you come over? Or whoever it was, I believe it was Brother Tom, but he asked me if I'd come over, and I did for a second. And I, was, I got the same response he got, these two guys. Neither one of them wanted to get saved. And I'm sitting there going, man. I said, and I shut my Bible like that, and I seen that little dot. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, tell them. I said, hey, guys, let me show you something. My little daughter, I mean, little bitty girl, put this on my Bible, this little red dot. I said, just, let's just imagine this thing right here, it just, for just sake of discussion, that this right here is, is the universe. And outside of this universe is heaven. It's everywhere else. And I said, one of these days, by trusting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in 1980 on the back porch in Louisville, Kentucky, I got out of going to that place there, and I can now go anywhere in here I want to go. I said, if you looked at the stars at nighttime, and I forget exactly how the conversation went, but it went something like that. You look at the stars at nighttime. And it says, it's not even, I'm not even limited to this. I can leave this just like Jesus did. And heaven's outside of this thing. And I'll, say, I'll be able to go anywhere I want to go. I said, but you, by your confession, are going to be stuck in a place right here called hell for all eternity, burning night and day and night and day and night and day and night and day until eternity passes, which will never do that. As long as Jesus Christ is alive, that thing is going to be in existence. They're going to take hell, throw it in the lake of fire, and you're going to be there. Those two guys hit the dirt and got saved. And I'm sitting there, I'm laughing at that thing, man. And I walk away years after that, I'm still thinking, a little girl put a little red dot on my Bible, and me as an arrogant pig was going to take it off because I wanted to be the man. And that's exactly, you know what those two black guys told me? One of them looked at me and said, you tell your daughter, that's the best illustration I ever heard. Now those guys are, I don't know whether they ever got out of jail, went to jail for 30 years. I have no idea what happened to them. I know what they did that night. It was a transaction. That's all that was. Jesus Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures, buried, rose again third day, according to the scriptures. He said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in that heart that God raised it, thou shalt be saved. It's just a transaction. All you got today is say, hey, this is what I need. This is what I am. It is free. He said, I, if I ask him, he will give it. You know, you got to ask. You know where pride will come in? You won't ask. You said you won't ask. You're proud. You're, you're arrogant. You're, I, I'm too proud to ask. No, man. Hey, I, was, I was like a bowl of jelly. Man, I, I'm a sinner. Save me. Save me. Save me. I didn't care. I wasn't really afraid of hell. I was afraid of being away from Christ. Now years gone by, I know what hell is. I don't want no part of that. That rich man is burning in hell. And he begged that Lazarus, that Abraham would send somebody back and just dip. He said, can you send Lazarus over here and just dip his finger in the water and just cool my tongue? He said, I can't even do that. You're stuck there and that was your choice. You know, if you go to hell today, it's your choice. 
That is a poor choice. These men all right here provided something. Pilate provided something. Uh, the multitudes provided something. Simon, the, the soldiers, you know what they provided? The nails. I don't know how anybody could lay Jesus Christ down on a cross and take nails. And I don't care how hard your heart is. I'm talking about the son of God. You lay down there and he's already beat with, within an inch of his life, but you couldn't kill him anyways because he's God manifest in flesh and, and take his hands and spread them out on a cross and take a hammer and drive them in. How could a cold hearted person do that? Yet these men did it. They didn't hesitate one after it was all said and done. They said, truly, that was the son of God, but it's too late now. You provided the nails and hung him up there, but it didn't do you a bit of good. So many times in life, we think that we provide something that's going to get us close. It won't provide you one. Every one of these people were right next to Jesus Christ when they provided what they provided. And not a single one of them, according to scriptures, got saved. Not a single one of them went to heaven. You can't provide anything. Simon, the Cyrenian. You know what he provided? He provided the transportation for the cross. Out of, but he, he, was, he was forced to do He says he was compelled to do that. They forced him. They grabbed him off the side and said, do this. Now, Simon is there later on, and you'll find him in your Bible. I think Simon eventually got saved, uh, and he may have been a follower of Jesus Christ at this point, but he was compelled. He was forced, uh, compelled to make something happen, to force something. That's what he was forced. Simon, thank God, he, he, he carried the cross. He provided the transportation from where the cross was to Calvary to, for Jesus Christ to be laid on. But it didn't do him one bit. Not one bit of good. Then you got the thieves on the cross. These two guys are amazing. They didn't take center stage. Jesus Christ was center stage. The soldiers lifted up Christ, put him on the cross, lifted him up, dropped him in the hole. Christ is hanging there between the two thieves. And the two thieves are just standing there. And there's nothing more at this point that can be provided for the crucifixion to take place. There's nothing. It's all done. Christ is on the cross. The blood is dripping off of him, drip by drip by drip by drip by drip. His life is hanging in the balances, but Christ knows exactly the moment he's going to say it is finished. And when he's done, he's done. And he's given everybody a chance, and he's given those two guys right there a chance up to the end of this thing. There is nothing more that can be provided by anybody. You know what the two thieves do? They're just observing. You know what we're doing today? Observing. You know what I was doing until 1980 on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky? That's where I got saved. But I mean, up to that point, I'd drive down the road. I'd think about the Lord. I'd do this. I'd read my Bible. I'd, get, I'd try to do something. I was born and raised Roman Catholic. I had some Bible behind me, some, some knowledge of God behind me. But I didn't know everything. I was observing. I've had preachers look at me before and said, Mike, you, you watch preachers. Yeah, I'll observe. They say, how did you put this church together? Well, I watched this preacher, and he did this and this, but that didn't work too good, so I didn't do that stuff. I just tried this stuff. And, and I knew we needed a piano, but I, I, said, and I, I said, I don't want just one of these. I want a piano that's actually in tune. I want one that you can actually tune. I don't want to go into a church and bang, 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 bang. No, I said, I, I've been in churches like that, and that's, if that's all you got, praise God, but I don't want that. I said, Lord, this is what I want. And the Lord actually let me get whatever I want. He spoiled, I was a spoiled brat. Everything I asked for, he's, ever, he's always given me that. I've always got it. Now, I tell you what, I have to work to get it. 
And sometimes I have to do a whole lot of stuff to get it. If you ask people how I get stuff, they'll tell you, man, that guy is a, I'm a woohoo shopper. Beth always thinks there was a woohoo. If you've ever been to Kroger's, they got woohoo. All their markdown stuff's got a woohoo sticker on it. She thinks that when I found her, she had a woohoo sticker on her head. She can't believe that I would ever want her without a clearance sticker on her head. But uh, she was the only thing I didn't get that was clearance. That's cost me everything. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, that's why I woohoo. That's why I woohoo. <laughs> you got to, you got to. But these guys, there is nothing more that can be provided. You can't provide nothing more. I was sitting there, I was just observing. And then I started looking at life and come up your Bible and you read it. It's an amazing book in the beginning, God. What do you do with that? I mean, honestly, if you're honest, what do you do in the beginning, God? He's not trying to convince you he's God. I'm God. I don't care whether you believe I'm God or not. I'm telling you, I'm God. Now, if you want to go live your life and do whatever you want to do, one day you're going to, but in the beginning, God, I did it in the beginning. Nobody else did. It wasn't nobody else. It was me. And I don't care whether you believe me or not. I'm going to try to help you believe me. But you, it's your choice. You know, you got to make a choice. Observation is okay up to a point. But somewhere you got to make a choice about what you're observing. The choice is always going to be made. You walk up to, you go to McDonald's. Oh, I don't have to share, man. You go to the menu. You can get a number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, or you can mix and match anything you want. You make choices. You go to Burger King. They say you can have it your way. 10,000 different ways. I don't know how in the world you can make a Burger King Whopper 10,000 different ways, but they said you make it 1,000 ways or something. Everywhere you go, you make a choice whether to get out of bed or stay in bed. You make a choice whether you drink coffee or don't drink coffee. You make a choice, whatever you do in life, you make a choice. You observe up to a point, and then you get up. I observe that my clock says 6.30, and I don't want to get up. But I got to get up. I think I'll lay here. Then Beth wakes up. You got to get up. I'm like, oh. now I got to get up. Then you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to take pills. You got to do this. You observe all kinds of stuff. Then you have to make a decision. These two thieves, they are now nailed up, not in the center position, that was for Barabbas. He was going to be the main attraction. The main attraction for that day's crucifixion was going to be Barabbas on the cross. The other two were just, they were going to get crucified with him. But the main Pilate was going to bring that man up in front of everybody as an example of what you do when you do stuff against the, the nation of Rome or the kingdom of Rome. And, what, and he's trying to get the Jews to see that, hey, I'm in charge here. But the Jews convinced him to swap him out and bring Jesus Christ up center stage. He is now the main attraction. But even in that position, Christ sends Aaron and never says a word. He's talking to Father. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There's seven sayings that he said on the cross. And as he's hanging there, these two men are observing him. One is railing on him. The other one's railing on him. But at a minute, somewhere in the process of time, they... They're both looking at Jesus Christ. The one said, I deserve what I get. You know, if you're honest with yourself and you look at your life, you can't blame anybody else for anything that ever happened in your life. Your life is your life. I've had people uh, set scenarios up in my life, but they had nothing to do with the outcome of my life. My life was between my decisions, what Jesus Christ was doing for me, and what I was doing before Jesus Christ. Those decisions determined the outcome of my life. People say, well, I don't get a chance. Who said you should ever get a chance? 
and the chance that you think you should get, how do you know that's right anyways? You know what you got to do? You got to find somebody named Jesus Christ. And you got to get into his plan and just let him kind of guide and direct your steps. These two guys, neither one of them are in there. There is nothing more anyone can do for any one of those three. Now, Christ could have got himself down on the cross. If he did, I wouldn't be here today. What a blessing, man. You don't think Jesus Christ loves you? He went through what he went through on Calvary for me. I would not be allowed to say I would say. I would not have the assurance. of. I love it, man. When I sit there and read my Bible and it says, everybody says, well, you know, you can lose your salvation. I'm like, but there's a verse over in John. It's first John says that you may know you have eternal life. I said, it's, if, if I read that right, somebody can know it. And that means if somebody can know it, that means somebody don't know it. I said, but Lord, why can't I like be one of them that know it? <laughs> I'd like to know that. He says, you do? He says, well, here's the record. I said, he goes, do you believe the record? I said, yeah, where's the record? Right after that? He said, you got eternal life. How long is eternal? I said, well, it's forever. Then shut up. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I got it. It's eternal. Somebody says, you can lose it. I said, that's not what he said. And if I got to listen to somebody, I'd rather listen to him than you. I got a Bible, man. I mean, I'm a tech. I tell everybody all the time. I told that guy yesterday. I said, look, in the day. I could have tore that apart and put it back component level. In the day. It's a mathematical formula. I'm an electronic technician. In the day. I sit there and had a conversation with two LexisNexis people here Saturday or, or on that funeral. I haven't worked at LexisNexis since what, 2015, 14, 13? And we were sitting there talking. I didn't know how well I knew those two people. And as we're sitting there talking, actually the one lady, I worked for her husband, her ex-husband. And I'm sitting there going, and all the people I knew, they knew, and everybody else, and we were talking about it, and I could have went back working today at LexisNexis. And it's a big network with all kinds of routers. We, they had more, we had four OC-192s, which most people don't care what that is, but that's enough bandwidth that you could, have, you could have engulfed Google in that thing. And we had all that stuff, and I'm sitting there going, Lord, this is all a waste. None of it matters. There's nothing anyone can do. There's nothing, all that stuff, I'm sitting there talking to them people, and when I realize... None of that matters. You know what matters is what I said, man, I tell you, 19, the, uh, I was sitting there and I knew I had to quit my job out there. This church was coming up and it was starting to work and, and I knew it was going to happen. And I'm like, oh man, I can't do both. And I had a preacher come in and said, Mike, you're the problem. You need to quit. I'm like, if you ever, I've been working 16 hours a day my whole life. I don't know how to quit. You're asking me to do something I don't know how to do. I said, that's not even on my, I can't even fathom that. I don't understand why people don't work. I'm getting to hate Brian Barry. I'm 66 and he's younger than me and it ain't fair. Because when I was his age, I used to do that same thing. But he's like Mike, me and Mike, we're starting to get so old, we can't do nothing anymore. Brian's just running circles around. He, he's, he's like the uh, Tasmanian devil. <laughs> so he's, ah! And when he walks away, that's what it looks like. It looks like, if you ever seen Roadrunner, <laughs> that's what it looks like. <laughs> I knew I'd seen them cartoons for something out there. But you know, when you sit there and look at Lord, Lord, uh, you realize that this thing's the most important thing. Serving Jesus Christ, everything else has to be done, and I'm okay with that. But the, the main focus is Jesus Christ, and at any given time, he could call and say, hey, I want you to be a missionary to Zimbabwe. Would you drop what you're doing to do that? He may never ask you to do that. He may say, hey, just be part of the church for your whole life and take care of your family and do this and do this. But if he ever asks you, would you be doing it? It's, it's, that's important. These guys, these guys, there's nothing more they could do. 
They could do nothing else. They're hanging there. Their life is done. They're hanging there waiting to die. They're both looking at Jesus. And the one starts seeing Jesus is different. This man is different. I've seen a lot of people in my life. And I've watched a lot of people. I've been on a ship with 3,000 men. I've been on a ship with 1,000 men. I, I was stationed on a ship with 1,000 men, 680 feet long, 65 feet wide, uh, five or six stories high from the water line. Uh, you put 1,000 men on that ship, half of Marines, half of them are sailors. Uh, you're, I mean, you're ready for an explosion at any given moment. You're asking them to all go out to sea and leave their families and everything behind and just get on a boat and go out in the middle of the ocean for six months. Uh, all of a sudden, you're not supposed to go out for six months for a long, long time. And now you got to go out for 10 weeks because somebody else can't do it and you can't go home tonight? You're talking about a bunch of bad attitude people, man. I mean, that's a whole ship full of people. But it, it really, when you start looking at all that stuff, there's, there's nothing more you can do anymore when that thing says underway. You're underway. Right here, those men are sitting on the cross. Their lives are gone. They can't, they can't come down off the cross they can't spend another day out there doing anything else. Their lives are there. And they, they, all the things in their lives are probably, they always say your life flashes before your eyes. There's probably flashing before their eyes. And the one sees all the things he did. I'm a sinner. I've observed and looked at my life. And my life isn't what it should have been. And I've done some things I should not have done. And now I'm going to be shortly held accountable for those things. Why? Because that man on the center cross up here has done convinced me by just observing him that I'm going to answer for something I don't think I want to answer for. This guy over here, and I could have the sides mixed up, but this guy over here was looking at him and didn't care and kept cussing him out. Get me down. Get me down. Like if I just live a little longer, I'll straighten this thing out. No, you won't. If Christ would have got him down and he'd have lived another 50 years, if he never did anything with what he was observing there that day, it wouldn't have changed one bit in his life. You know what matters is the moment you trust Jesus Christ. The cross was required. You ever read Isaiah 53? There's an Ethiopian eunuch who was driving down the road one day, came all the way up from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, went to, the, went to worship the Lord, lost, on his way to hell leaving with a set of scriptures in his hand, and he's reading Isaiah 53. This is an Ethiopian eunuch that's Ethiopian by birth, and he's reading Hebrew. And as he's reading that thing, he's scratching his head. What is this guy talking about? What is, and the Lord says, I need Philip. That guy yesterday, y'all pray for him, the guy that was the uh, mortician or the guy who brought the body in, his name, the one we was talking about is Philip. His name is Philip. Beth called him Philip the Evangelist. I don't know why she did that. He may end up being that. But, but Philip, the Lord directed Philip over there, and he got up in there, and Philip started talking, and he said the place where he read was this. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Actually, let's go 53.1. Who hath believed our report? You know what the problem? The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? You know, God wants to reveal his arm to you. I'll tell you right now, that arm is Jesus Christ. He wants you. He, hell was not made for us. It was made for the devil and his angels. We're not supposed to go there. It's not for us. 
And the Lord's trying to get us out of it. But he's not going to make you get out of it. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He shall have no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty in, beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Now, I'll tell you what, these two guys right here, this man over here might have hid his face. This one didn't. This one had his face fixed on Jesus Christ. This man over here knew that in a moment's time, somewhere in the next near future, he was going to take his last breath. And the only opportunity he had, the only choice he had, the only, the only possibility of, of a future was right through that man that had the center stage. That's what he knew. The Ethiopian eunuch's reading it. Surely he had borne our griefs. There is nothing in your life that you've ever done. No hurt, no pain, no anything else that Jesus Christ does not know how you feel. And carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. You say, well, I've hurt. Jesus knows exactly how you've hurt. He knows the pain you've been through. He knows the agony you've been through. And he understands it all. And he says, you still need to get over that. I've already taken that from you. I've already got it. Let me have it. But he was wounded for our transgressions. The sin that we've committed, he took the heat for. He took the beating for. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. You can get healed no other way. If you're in here today and you are in trouble, if you're in here today and you're lost, there's only one way, and that's the blood that Jesus Christ shed at Calvary. There is no other way. All we like sheep have gone astray. Not some of us, all of us have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You know why you won't get saved? You're doing it your way. Your way is wrong. Get with him, man. His way works perfect. I'm a testament. About 40, 44 years later, man, I'm still happy about that thing. 101 years old and the lady was still happy. She kept telling me, why am I still here? Let me ask you this question. Would you say this? Why am I still here? Why won't the Lord just take me home? Can you say that today? Because if you can't, you're not ready to go. That woman was ready to go. I think she was ready to go four or five years ago. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, the, Lord, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison. That's what they did at Pilate. Pilate took him from prison, brought him out. He was taken from prison and from judgment, from the judgment hall. And who shall declare his generation? That's my job. I get to tell you what happened to him. You know what Philip got the privilege to do? <laughs> he got the, the Ethiopian, you just read this story, man. He goes, what is this? Who is this masked man? Is he talking about himself or somebody else? Philip, he goes, I don't know. And Philip comes up and says, hey, I can tell you, man. I can declare his generation. I can, you know what's wrong with most Christians today? We won't open our mouths. I don't want, I, hell is not a good thing to talk about. But it's not something we should shy away from. If the world is going there, we need to tell them. We need to let them know that, hey, their path is down the wrong road, and that's not where you want to go forever. It says, he, he made his grave with the wicked. Those two guys, one of them was wicked. The other one got, got in. 
I like that end of that story. And with the rich in his death, Arimathaeus, Joseph of Arimathaeus, he it was in his tomb. Because he had done no violence, neither uh, was there any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make uh, his soul an offering for his sin. I could go on and read the rest of it. It's all about Jesus Christ. His soul was, was placed for your sin. He took your sin at Calvary to a place called hell. But you got to ask him to forgive you. For him to apply that salvation to you, you have to ask. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I was talking to a Catholic guy one time and I asked him. I said, uh, have you ever been saved? And we, I went through the whole thing. I went through the Gospels and I went through everything. He said, uh, I, he knew that, he knew that, I knew that. I, I got, I've led Catholics to the Lord by the scores. And I was just sitting there and talked to him. I said, we, we think the same. A lot of Catholics will come and say, well, you're not Catholic anymore, you're, you're Baptist. I said, no, I'm Catholic or Captist. And they said, what is that? I said, I'm a Christian. And I said, the Bible's clear. And I said, I said, wait a minute, watch this. I said, you and me believe the same thing. They look at you funny like, no, we don't. You're a traitor. I said, no, watch this. I said, you believe that Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago? They go, yes. I said, you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? I said, you even think you're a sinner, don't you? And they'll go, yes. I said, he said, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried. I said, you believe he's buried 2,000 years ago, don't you? And they go, yes. I said, you believe he rose from the grave 2,000 years ago, don't you? And they go, yes. I throw this in just for, just for fun. I said, and you believe he was born of a virgin? <laughs> they go, yes. I said, you believe he's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, don't you? And they go, yes. I said, what have I tried to sell you? They go, nothing. I said, we believe the same thing. I said, you know what the difference between me and you are? He goes, what? I said, Romans 10, 9, 10 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thy heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I said, I ask him to save me. Have you ever got on your knees? Have you ever sit at a table? Have you ever bowed your head? Have you ever cried out to Jesus and said, Lord, I'm the sinner. You're the Savior. Save my soul. That's all it is. I said, you know why I don't like the Catholic Church? He said, Why? I said, it's like me saying, I'm going to take you swimming in the Pacific Ocean, and I take you out to San Francisco, go to Highway 1, and Highway 1's right here, and the ocean's here, and I never take you across Highway 1. You don't go swimming. That's the Catholic Church. They lead you to Jesus Christ, but never get you to him. I said, to get to him, all you got to do is ask, and I've watched them people turn their, just get down and ask Jesus Christ to save their soul right there on the spot. I had one Catholic that I did that too, that, that, did not, that didn't have an effect on. And I said, how come? He goes, I've done that. I said, you're a liar. <laughs> I said, you're a liar. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to judge. <laughs> but I still think you're a liar. I said, how did you get saved? He goes, Mike, you ain't going to believe this. <laughs> I said, I probably won't. But tell me anyways. He goes, I, a Catholic priest. This is a Catholic. He said, a Catholic priest did exactly what you just did almost. And when he got down the end, he, said, he told me, he said, all you got to do is trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. And that's what I did. You know what that was for me, man? That was a blessing. There are still some people out there who may not have everything right. But boy, they can still get somebody. God can still use them to get somebody to the Lord. Jesus Christ, that Ethiopian eunuch, come by some water. He says, what doth hinder me to be baptized? Because he knew John was baptizing Philip said, you can if you believe. 
Believe what? The gospel. Baptism doesn't do you one bit of good if you don't believe the gospel. You believe the gospel, you don't need to get baptized. Baptism is a, an additional thing to salvation. It is not part of salvation. I get people wet every time they want to get wet, but I make sure they understand there's a difference. The blood that was shed at Calvary, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and me trusting him as my personal Savior is salvation. That's salvation. The rest of this, communion, all the rest of that stuff, those are ordinances. Those are things that we do. But that, has, that thief on the cross died that day. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That quick. You know what our problem is? Jesus is waiting for you to ask. And that quick you will get it. But you will not get it unless you ask. And if hell is a place that you think is, is more pleasurable than I would rather stay here, which this world is getting crazy, I would rather stay here any day of the week than go to a place called hell. For one nanosecond, not for life, not for eternity. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walk Christ my Savior, Weary and worn, facing for sinners, death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Father, forgive them, thus did he pray, in while his life blood flowed fast away. Praying for sinners while in such woe, no one but Jesus ever or ever loved us so. Oh, how I love him, Savior and friend. How can my praises ever find it? Don't you just laugh sometimes when you read this stuff? Through years unnumbered on heaven's shore, my tongue shall praise him forevermore. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree. Wounded and bleeding for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Now those thieves on the cross, that guy's standing there looking at Jesus. I'm sure Jesus isn't singing Amazing Grace. I'm sure he isn't singing the old rugged cross. He's just sitting there praying to the Lord. And that thief is listening to him talk to his father. And he's got, he's got something I ain't got. He's got something I ain't got. It's like Paul looking at Philip or Peter or, or Stephen when he's getting stoned. He's got, he's got something I ain't got. And the thief on the cross says, Lord, remember me. I've got three more things I'm going to say here, I'm done. Like the thieves, our sin was placed on Jesus at the cross. Your sins have been paid for. You know what's sad? Is your sin has already been paid for. You just haven't accepted the payment. There's nothing like these thieves you could do. It's done. It's finished. When Christ said it's finished on the cross, it is done. For us, 2,000 years later, it is finished. All you got to do is ask. The saddest thing would be to go to a place called hell when everything was already paid for. 
And you didn't have to go there. You didn't have to. Like the thieves, we must also make a choice concerning the cross. They were observing. And both of them had the same amount of time to observe. Christ said it's finished. And they never broke his legs, but they came and these two men were probably still alive when they broke their legs. And that helped to facilitate their death, their rapid death, where they'd go on and die. But Christ was already dead. So they both watched him die. But before he died, the one thief that was observing said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he is with Jesus today. I hope and pray that the other one did the same thing. It doesn't give it a recording of that. It doesn't say he didn't. As I won't know till I get to heaven. But by the, by the scriptures of the way they're written right now, that man dropped into a place called hell for all eternity because of foolish pride. There was nothing he could have done to gain anything more than was already done. All he had to do was bow his head, yield himself to Jesus Christ and ask him to save his soul. And because he didn't, if he didn't ever do that, that man would drop in hell. This man immediately got salvation. So let me ask you a question. Are you saved today? Do you know for sure that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven? If you don't, we're going to have an uh, invitation here for a second. You can come up here. There's people all over this church who can show you how to get saved. Uh, you know what the thing is, is? You just have to submit yourself until the Holy Ghost, unto the Holy Ghost and let him have his way with you. And Jesus will save your soul. It's a transaction. All it is is a, it's like a handshake. I've heard people, I've heard preachers say they think that a person actually gets saved when they step up out of the pew and walk down the aisle. They made the decision back there. They just completed here. But the decision was already made when they stood up. Sometimes people say, well, what if you can't speak? God knows where your heart. You know what you need to do is give your heart to Jesus. Brother, where you at? You going to sing a song? You're going to want me to sing a song. I'll sing a song if you don't get up here. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Lord, I didn't want another day to go by after Miss Betty passing away yesterday. And uh, Lord, uh, salvation is such a simple thing. I'm sure glad you made it simple for us. Uh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm tickled pink you made it simple for me. And Lord, no matter what I went through in my life, uh, you didn't care about any of that stuff. Those were all things that are just uh, symptoms of a problem that I had. And Lord, you resolved that problem on that back porch that night in 1980. And Lord, you've been taking care of it every day since. Lord, uh, it's... Uh, that song he sings out there says, you're still working on me, Lord. You have been working on me for 40, uh, four, 44 years. And, Lord, you're going to continue working to the day I take my last breath. And Lord, thank you for uh, an old saint like Miss Betty, Lord, that lived like she did and lived a testimony. And all the troubles she had in life, Lord, she just kept going. All the failures, Lord. A righteous man falls down seven times, Lord. To thank you that when we do fall down seven times, you're still there to pick us back up. Lord, thank you for your blessing. But if there's anybody in here today that doesn't know you, I pray that, Lord, they'd come uh, to the altar today and just trust you as their Savior. And, Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.